I've always wanted to be a symphony conductor, so there we go, all this conducting, man. Hey, that's what I love about new life. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Come on, somebody. Come on. Well, hey, my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I love being here. I love being at New Life. It's like I've been at New Life for 10 years now. Anybody been there the whole anybody been here the whole time? Anybody? A few of you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thanks for loving me. You you heard some of those early messages. You know, Pastor Jeff said, are you ready for this Sunday? And I said, you know what? I hope it will be not, not painful for the people. Because you know what? I'm just, I'm just me. And so if it's okay, I'm just going to be myself. But I get the privilege of serving as the young adult and life groups pastor. And so my heart is just about connecting people and seeing God uh, use people in just miraculous ways. Amen? Amen. So, hey, if you're new to New Life, we are so glad you're here. Um, we want to welcome our uh, North Platte campus out there. Come on, Carney, would you welcome our North Platte campus? Come on. Yes. As well as our Ogallala campus. Some of them have driven over and hanging out. Come on. So, in Ogallala. So, if you didn't know, we are one church in multiple locations, and so that's super exciting because we are better together. Amen. We're better together, and so, and this is one of my favorite Sundays besides Easter and Christmas, because those are the only two Sundays I come. No, I'm just kidding. Man, I, I, love, to, I love today because all the college students are back at our campuses, so come on. Yes. So, if you're attending Mid Plains Community College in North Platte, man, we are so glad you're here. If you're from CCC or UNK or UNMC or SUM or Children of the Corn University, whatever university you're with, man, we are glad that you're here today. And so I'm excited for what God's going to do in his house um, and at the North Platte campus as well. And so we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Misquoted. Anybody ever been misquoted before? Come on, yeah, right? And so when I think about it, you know, I think about how, you know, often we get misquoted. And so usually if we're misquoting people, it's because we have like some alternative motive. We're listening for certain things. We've got some lenses on in our life that are like, hey, I'm going to filter everything through this. And so for the next five weeks, you need to be here. So today and the next four weeks, next week and beyond, we're going to be looking at uh, just really popular scriptures that are often misquoted. And we're just going to dive into God's word and see what the Bible really has to say about these scriptures. And so that's what we're going to do today as we kick off. So I've got some, uh, we got a special scripture that we're going to look at in just a minute, but talking about lenses, all right? Talking about lenses today. Anybody wear glasses? All right, cool, all right. Some of us do. Anybody wearing contacts today? I'm wearing contacts today. Sometimes we can see things through a lens, right? So I brought some pairs of glasses today. This is a lens that we look through. We look through a lens of self. I'm a big deal, right? I'm a big deal. None of you would ever wear these in public because, I mean, it just draws attention, right? I mean, they are heart-shaped because I love myself, you know? I love myself. It's all about me. And we can read God's word and we'll filter God's word through self. What I think is best. You know what I'm saying? You get that. I'm going to take these goofy things off. But we do. We, we look at self through, and, and, and we put ourselves into the scripture and go, man, that's a really good scripture, but that's really tough. And I'm not going to really apply that one to my life. Or we look at scripture and we go, man, that one's really good, but that isn't even cultural, culturally relevant today. So I'm going to leave that one out. You know what I'm saying? Can, are you with me today? Sometimes we see the scripture through, the, through that lens. There's an old song, older song, it's not that old, from 1996. <laughs> so I've dated myself. Some of you are like, I wasn't even born. But do you mind if I, do you mind if I sing it for you? Okay, okay. The song goes, it's all about you, Jesus, and all this is for you, for your glory and your name. It's not about me, 
as you should do things my way, you alone are God and I surrender. That's an old chorus that we used to sing. And it's a song that's ministered to my heart. And obviously, it's impacted me. I'm still singing it today. Not very well, but I'm singing it, okay? Thanks for your grace and mercy. Woo! But when we look at Scripture through the lens of self, in my view, we can change the lyrics, the tunes of the song. It's all about me. Nate, and all this is for me, for my glory and my fame. It's not about Jesus, it's all about me. You know what I'm saying? That's an extreme. But sometimes that's really where our hearts are at when we look at Scripture. There's another lens that we often look at Scripture through, and it's the, uh, it's the blurred vision of the American dream or the American view. We see Scripture and we read it, and, and I, I love America. We live in one of the greatest countries in the world, amen? Amen. We should show patriotism, we should, we should love our country, we should support our country, we should be all about it. I mean, we live in a country where we are so freely blessed to be able to worship Jesus. But when we look at scripture just through the American Western blurred view, we can totally misconstrued and mis, uh, misunderstand what God is actually saying. And we miss the heart of God when we just see things through the American point of view. And I don't want to be that people because I don't want to miss God's heart. You know, oftentimes we can, we can forget that this earth that we live on isn't our home. Anybody else? I can often go, go, man, I just want to be comfortable. Anybody else out there? We can get just through the lens of light that we, whatever we look through, we can go, man, it's all about me. It's all about my comfort. And that's really not the view that we see throughout the Bible. It's not about my comfortability. That's not the goal. It's about living is Christ. Amen? It's about living as Christ, and that is the goal of our life. And as Christians, some of us get that. Some of us are seeking that out to what that looks like. Some of us are in all different places in our walk with the Lord, but that's really the focus is to live as Christ. And so today, I just want to challenge you, whatever lens that you're looking through Scripture, I want to just challenge you to maybe take those lenses off today as we look into God's Word. And so before we jump into our scripture found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 today, so that we can better understand the Bible, I want to look at three things that are just, we, we got to get. If we don't get these, then we're going to miss and we'll continue to misquote the Bible. So context, what is the big picture? That's what we want to understand when we look at scripture. We want to understand what's the big picture. What came before the verse? What came after the verse? So we're going to look at that scripture today in context and who, who is who is the author talking to? What is the book of the Bible surrounded around? The interpret. The Bible is awesome. It's amazing. It interpre- the, the, the scriptures will interpret itself. It interprets scripture with scripture. We want to find the thread. So today we're going to look at a piece of scripture in the Old Testament, but we want to find the thread that is throughout the Bible that we see the big picture of what God is doing and what he's talking about. And then we want to apply the scripture. Amen? We want to take scripture and we want to apply it. This isn't just something, this isn't just a book to be studied, but it's to be applied. If you come from a generation, maybe you come from the generation where that that Bible verse was a good verse, and you're like, I'm going to put that on my car as a bumper sticker. A younger generation would go, that's a great verse, I'm going to tattoo it on my body. So whoever I'm talking to today, you know, that's, that's where you're at. But we want to live out scripture, we just don't want to go, that's a good verse, cool, let's not do anything with it. We want to live it out. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If you have your Bibles today, or if you're with us on version, you can find it right there. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their, forgive their sins and restore their land. And I don't know about you, but if you read that and you think about it through the lens of America, you're like, 
Come on, America, yeah! We, we have this idea of like, yeah, that's us. That's who God's talking about. He's going to restore us. He's going to make us great again. Okay, I'm not trying to step on too many people's toes, but we, we can do that. We can go, yes, that's talking about us. And you might have even heard politicians Quote this verse, you might have even heard pastors use this scripture at a, at a prayer meeting, pleading Americans to pray for our country. If we will humble ourselves, if we pray, if we seek God's face, if we turn from our wicked ways, then God will have to hold up his end of the bargain and he will forgive our sins and heal our land. We, we can hear that. We, hear this, we can see this scripture and how it can get misquoted. But the reality is that God doesn't have to hold up any deal with America because this verse isn't promised to the United States of America. And that can be hard for some of us because we're just pro-America. We're about just our, being comfortable. But this verse isn't about that. This is, this, is a, this is a promise. And in the Bible, you'll see two types of different promises. Two different types of promises. Some are general. Here's a general promise that is for everybody. God promises to give wisdom if you ask. That's a general type of promise. If you need wisdom, if you ask, He's, he's faithful, he'll give it to you. Another general promise is this. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you, amen? That's a general promise for everybody today. But this particular promise found in 2 Chronicles is an old covenant promise to a specific people and a specific nation. So today we're gonna jump in and look at the context of what is actually going on. And we see that King Solomon has just built the temple of the Lord and the Lord is pleased with Solomon, and he appears to Solomon with this message. So picking it up in verse 12, right here. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the harvest, or the heavens, so that the rain, so, so no rains fall, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my, my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart." As for you, Solomon, if, you're fa if, you're faithfully, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty. For I made this covenant with your father David when I said, one of your descendants will always rule over Israel. This verse is dealing in context with the nation of Israel and this promise. What God is telling Solomon is, Israel, they're my people. They're my people, yo. You know what I'm saying? They're my people. God has made a covenant with the nation of Israel. And God has promised that he'll heal their land if they'll humble themselves, if they'll pray, if they'll come back to him, if they'll turn to him. He will restore them. And if you were, the if you were a child of Israel, this was like the best news possible because God is for you. And if you read throughout the, the Old Testament, you can see how this, you know, how this kind of goes or plays out with Israel. They, they are faithful to God. Then they fall away from God. Then they humble themselves before God, and he restores them, and he establishes them, and he picks them back up. And then they walk away from God. And, and there's just a cycle that continues to happen all throughout the Old Testament. And so today, to kind of put this into perspective, I want to do something. Can I split the church real quick? 
I don't really want to do that, but I'm going to do it for this analogy. So today, I'm going to split the church. Anybody who's sitting on this side, on the left side of me, uh, and in the loft, we're going, to, we're going to incorporate you in. If you're in the middle section or the right, also at the North Platte campus, my parents normally sit on the left side of the stage, so they're the chosen people as well. Pastor Jeff is sitting in this section. He's the chosen people as well. So this is, this is the nation of Israel. And they are God's people. There is a perk. God is for them. The rest of us, God isn't for us at this particular time in the scripture. They have a perk. Have you ever been around somebody that works a special job and they get a perk for just working at their job? Let me put it into perspective. Maybe you know somebody who works at United Airlines. One of their perks is they get half price Flights, pretty cool perk, you know what I'm saying, right? Somebody else, you know, if you're a car salesman or saleswoman, maybe you go to buy a car, hey, they're going to give it to you at cost. That's a perk. If you work for the buckle, the buckle buckle employees get 40% off. All of you are going to go out and get a job at the buckle. It's a perk for working there, right? Well, Israel, they get the perk. God is for them. Sometimes God uses us who are on the outside over here to kind of, you know, put pressure on them and, and, and cause them to turn back to God. But at the end of the day, they're the chosen people. They get the perk. We do not. So my question for us is, you know, what do we do as people? We're not Israelites today. We're not Jews today. So what, what about us? If we aren't, the, if we aren't direct descendants of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the nation of Israel, are we just chopped liver? Are we just out of luck? No, no, God had a plan from the beginning, and uh, Jesus fulfills a new covenant that is made, and it's found in Galatians chapter 5, or 4, excuse me, verses 4 and 5. It says this, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman, the woman is Mary, good, we're just, there you go, subject to the law, the Mosaic law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Good news, Amen. It's great news. It's great news. God chose us and brings us in. He adopts us. If, if you've been adopted, you've maybe wrestled with this, this thought, and then maybe it's taken some time to, to work through the process, but you realize that, you know, maybe at the, at, in the beginning you thought, man, I, I was abandoned. I was abandoned. But as God began to do some healing inside of you, you, you begin to understand, man, I wasn't abandoned. I was chosen. I was chosen. And if you've been graced with the opportunity of, of adopting a child or someone, you, you get it as well. You understand that you chose somebody. You chose. And that's a great picture of, what God, of God's love for us is that he would incorporate all of us who are in the middle and on the right today in the North Platte, at the North Platte campuses and here in Kearney. That God would adopt us and say, come on, be a part of my family. Because they get the perk. They get the discount. They get God for them. Before that, we didn't get anything, but God adopted us in as sons and daughters. And that's what I love about the story of God. If you look at the Bible, it's a story of humanity. In the Bible, you see God's relationship with humanity. It begins with the story focused on one people, one people group, one nation. But the narrative of the, to- of the story transitions from God restoring a land and one nation to restoring souls of people of every tongue and every nation. Every tongue and every nation. And that all happens through Jesus. And that all happens through Jesus. And, and so Jesus came to redeem, to set people free. 
He came to build his church. And it's because of God's love for humanity that this Old Testament, this Old Covenant with Israel is both continued and fulfilled in God's new covenant through Jesus. So today, Jesus came over 2,000 years ago to do what? To build his church. He came to build his church to bring hope to the world. Andy Stanley puts it this way. He's a famous pastor. Jesus is the hope of the world, and the local church is the vehicle of expressing that hope to the world. Jesus is the hope of the world, and God is using the church today. Amen? But again, what view, what lens are we looking at Scripture through? Because if we just think that, oh man, God is just for America, then we totally miss it today. Jesus came not to build a nation, but to build his church, to build and establish his church. The church is stu- still being built, it's still bringing hope to the world, and it's, and it's not going to stop being built until Jesus returns. So today, I, I want to I go back to where I started. I want to finish where I started today, looking at the verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14. But I want to look at it through a different lens. I want to look at it through the lens of Jesus. Because when we look at this scripture found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14, we might ask her question, we might ask the question, like, what am I supposed to do with that today? Like, do I just throw it out with the bathwater? Is it, it's not, you know, is it, is it applicable today? How am I supposed to use it today? And today we want to look at interpreting Scripture with Scripture. So I want to read 2 Chronicles 7.14 again. It says this, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. So if we're going to interpret Scripture with Scripture, I want to pull this scripture back up one more time, and I want to look at some key words that stand out, that we see as a thread all throughout scripture, because we can apply this scripture to our life. If we look at called, if we look at humble, if we look at pray, if we look at seek, if we look at turn, if we look at forgive their sins and restore, if we look at those key scriptures, if you've read your Bible at all, Or if you have Google on your phone, you can find that there are scriptures all throughout the Bible that are using these words and there's text that all apply. So when I looked back at the different scriptures that are highlighted behind me, Matthew 22, 14 says this, many are called today. It's not just a nation that God is calling, but many are called today. James 4, 10 says this, Humble yourself. See, in our culture, humility is looked at as a weakness. But it's a principle that God designed as a strength. Amen? Humble yourself before the Lord. And what will he do? He will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord. Matthew 7, 7 says this. Pray and keep on seeking and you will find. Don't give up on your prayers, church. Moms or dads today, maybe you have a, a loved one, maybe you have a son or daughter that is not walking with the Lord. Don't give up on your prayers. God is listening. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep seeking. The answer that you need that you're looking for for maybe a new job or new direction in your life, keep seeking him. He, he's faithful. He'll give it to you. Acts 3, 7 says this, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Turn to God. 
Repent. Turn to God. Another common theme, 1 Peter 3.12 says this, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil today. God's ear is attentive to those who are humble, who are laying themselves down, who are kneeling before him and saying, God, be number one in my life. Be number one. And this is what we can take from this scripture. It's a reminder to the church of Jesus Christ all around the world, no matter the nation, to seek God's face and to put him first. That's what this verse is talking about. It's a reminder of what God said to a nation of Israel. Hey, if you do this, now it's a reminder for all people, all nations. Man, seek me and you will find me. And looking at America, there are a lot of opinions in our culture. I mean, you can just turn on the radio. You can turn on the TV. You can flip on Facebook. You can get on Instagram. There's a ton of opinions out there, and it's causing confusion. It's causing anger, and it's causing hate in our world. But I know this one thing for sure. God loves people. Americans Americans need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. You and I need Jesus, and the next generation needs Jesus today. There's a lot of opinions out there. A lot of people trying to do it on their own. They think it's right, but they're not lining their life up with God's word. And we're buying into this lie like, oh, maybe that's the right way to do it. No, man, we've got God's word right in front of us. Just seek me and you'll find me. God isn't interested in restoring a nation. God in, 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 is interested in building and restoring his church. That's the big picture today. We'll miss it if, depending on what lens we look at. Today I want to show you a quick picture. This is a picture of my niece. This is the next generation. And she loves, she loves to pray. Anytime we get ready to have a meal, she says, pray, pray, pray. And we're like, yeah, we're going to pray. And she starts out, Jesus. And because she's two, you know, she can, she has, she's, she's got a good vocabulary, but she can't string sentences along, you know. But we'll start praying, and she says this, happy happy, happy. And we say, when you pray to Jesus, it makes you happy? Yeah. Church, we're smart people. We don't pass Jesus down to the next generation. You know what the world's going to look like. The next generation's got to know about Jesus. Not just know, but they got to see Jesus lived out. The world needs Jesus. He's the hope of the world, and God's using the church. He's using us as an avenue to be his hands and feet, to bring the love of Christ to the world. Today, prayer is communicating with Jesus. It's super simple. It's just communicating with Jesus. It's telling Jesus your heart. When the weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders, it's you coming to Jesus saying, God, I cast all of my cares upon you because you care for me. Today, if you're still struggling with abandonment, feeling like you've been abandoned as an orphan or whatever it might be, maybe you've been going through a divorce, God today is coming and is willing to adopt you in and just love on you today. 
to restore you, to give you hope, to encourage you today. Prayer is just communicating with Jesus. The thing is, though, church, is our soul, it was designed to communicate and to connect with a living God. Amen? When you feel like, man, I don't know about you, but if you've ever missed church on a Sunday, this is how, when I miss church on a Sunday, this is how I feel. My whole week is like, dude, what in the world happened? I'm just like empty. I'm like, what? I didn't get to be with the body of Christ. If you feel that, you need to make every effort to be at church on a Sunday. I, you hear people say, well, you don't have to be a Christian and go to church. So really what you're telling me is that God's plan was to design and build the church. And so you're telling me that you have a greater and bigger and better idea than God? I'm not saying that you have to be in church. But I'm just saying that God has designed the church to be a place of community, to lift and build each other up, to worship Jesus. And, and even in the Old Testament, God said, man, this is a place that I love. God loves his house. God loves the church, the body. He even loves the building today. God loves his house. God loves his church. So today, talking about prayer, being a people, being a church, being a body of prayer, I love what James 5.16 says this. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer is the greatest tool that God has given us. Are we using it? It's like me. I'm not a very, I can build some things, but I am not a car mechanic. If my wife's like, they're just making a noise, I'm like, uh, let's take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. How foolish would it be of me if I were a car mechanic and I knew what I was supposed to do? If I just took a hammer out to it and go, I'm going to bang on this, see if it's going to work. That would be foolish. That would be foolish. God's given us the right tool for what we need to bring people to himself, to see a land, a people, nations restored. It can happen through through prayer. It can happen through prayer. So will we be people of prayer today? Today, as I, as I wrap up, I want to invite you today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, to surrender your life to Christ. Today, you're in a place where the hope of the world is being shared. The good news of Jesus is being shared today. He's it's right there, and you might be feeling a tugging on your heart or you're, something's going on inside of your mind. You're going, yeah, okay, it's not by accident that I'm here. Today, you sense God speaking to you and drawing you to himself. I want to encourage you to respond today and just saying, Jesus, yeah, I surrender my life to you. And, and maybe you're here as a believer, and, and you just feel impressed like, man, I just feel impressed to pray today for the church or to pray for a certain person or a coworker. I want to encourage you to go after God today. In just a moment, the worship team is going to come, and we're going to sing some more songs, but that doesn't mean that you have to stop engaging with God. It may be a moment where you do need to engage in God with singing, but it also may be a moment where you just go, you know what, man, I'm just going to stop and pause and just pray. And just sense God's presence and listen to him today. I want to wrap up today with this scripture found in Romans chapter 10. Verses 9 through 13, it says this. 
if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing today. Maybe you've heard people ask you the question, are you a believer? This is where we get it. Are you believing? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died and he rose again? So if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart. Go back, sorry, my bad. Did I jump ahead? I'm not sure. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Look at verse 12. In the beginning, old covenant, Jews. New covenant through Jesus, Gentiles. We were brought in. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's right there. I mean, it's right there. A chosen people. God said, no, that's not good enough. All people, all nations, all tongues, all generations today. Church, church, let's not miss it. Ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Put on some lenses to see life, to see the world through Jesus' eyes today. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray. God, today we thank you for who you are, for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, today I'm reminded of your love and your kindness. I'm reminded of your patience with me. God, you didn't give up on me. You pursued me, you chased after me. And God, I know that you're doing that today in people's lives. God, people are trying to run, they're trying to hide, but God, you you loved them so much, you just continue to pursue after them. And God, today, may this be a house, a place of repentance, where we surrender and we lay our lives down before you and say, Jesus, would you forgive me today of my sins? God, today, would you help me? Help me to be humble. God, I need your help to turn from the wicked ways that I've been living. God, I need you to help me today. God, today for those who are seeking after you, may they find you in a real, real way today. May they leave leave differently than they came. God, today I thank you for your love and for your kindness. Again, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So God, today all across this room, for people who are praying the the prayer of salvation. God, today, they're inviting you in to be the Lord and leader of their life. And for that, I'm grateful. So God, today, we worship you. We pray to you. We lay ourselves before you to transform us and change us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Let's worship, church.